0: Maverick
1: News presents The Rick Walker Show. Defrag your mind.
2: Whoa. I have a big logo on my face. And a Nazi. And now a logo's gone. Okay, and the Nazi's gone. I'm here. It's okay. Everything's fine. We're going to be fine. Just a little production glitch. No big deal. Oh, what will we talk about tonight? F this, F that. F that and F this. That's pretty much my review of the UFC champ. His pro-Canadian rant, we're going to run some of that tonight, uh, reminds me a lot of our friend Leo, Mouth of the South, he might join us on the program to, uh, to yak about that too. Robots, humanoid robots, they're coming for your job faster than you think. Oh, Yeah. Courtesy of artificial intelligence. Christian Freeland, deputy prime minister. Stopped in at the World Economic Forum. But I have to wonder. What side is she on? Who does she really represent? As she waltzed in there. Took her place on stage. Wearing her Ukrainian colors. A ribbon showing her solidarity with Ukraine. And I suppose that's okay if that's where she wants to go, but is it appropriate for her to wear that when she's representing Canada at an international summit, economic summit, as the Minister of Finance and Deputy Prime Minister. You can decide. Be your call, I guess. Everyone will have an opinion on it. We shall see. What else do we have tonight? Pakistan striking back at Iran. With missiles just more escalation in the middle east arnold schwarzenegger stopped at a munich airport mr moneybags had some sort of an issue with a very expensive watch the customs took interest in i used to be a big arnold fan not so much anymore not since he made that video saying f your rights during the pandemic, but that's just me. The super muscular, Mr. Macho, Mr. Schwarzenegger had a little bit of trouble at the airport. I'll tell you a little bit about that too. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but uh, yeah, we've got lots to talk about tonight. So stick around. Should be an interesting show. I think so. Here we go. Feel the vibrations. Our quest continues. The truth is out there. Canada's deputy prime minister, Chrystia Freeland in Davos, saying that Canada is totally committed to decarbonization. She sees it as an opportunity, I guess, uh, but not at the expense of jobs. No, you see, these lefties they see decarbonization as a path to more jobs. The thing is though, it's like, I think these guys think they can just will things into existence. Even jobs. You know, the thing is, it's like to them, a job is just a job. It's like you just create a job for someone. To them, a job could just be somebody digging a hole and then another job could be someone coming along to just fill it back in. It's not about efficiency. It's not about productivity. It's just about just keeping people busy and throwing money at them that they get to print. It's not about producing anything or increasing people's wealth. They don't really get it, these progressives. So here she is speaking at the World Economic Forum, wearing her Ukrainian colors, as I say. Let me just uh, bring up her clip. Here we go. Here's the Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister of Canada. This
0: is a hugely transformative moment in the whole global economy. Uh, I think that right now we're living through a moment which is comparable only to the Industrial Revolution itself in terms of the energy transition and the way we need to retool all of our manufacturing. That is huge. Canada's strategy, Borgay, is to say, look at these two trends and let's see how we can use them to play to Canada's strengths. And our view is there's a lot that Canada can offer to the world in this moment. You know, we have the critical minerals and metals that you need to build a green economy. We have a lot of clean energy. 85% of our grid is already clean and we are investing heavily in building more clean energy. We are a country that believes in manufacturing, has manufacturing know-how and capacity. And then you guys spoke about industrial policy. You know, the thing that is new about industrial policy, is we are developing our economies, growing our economies at a time when we also need to accomplish the green transition. And I spoke yesterday to a very significant international business leader who is also a big investor in Canada. And he said to me, all the countries in the world need to be very careful that decarbonization does not mean deindustrialization. I thought that was an extremely smart comment and Canada is absolutely determined that decarbonization for us will mean more jobs, more growth, more manufacturing, and we recognize government needs to play a role to make that happen.
2: See, looks like, Like I said, you might as well have somebody digging a hole and then have somebody coming along and filling it back in. To them, it's not about efficiency. It's not about what people want. It's about what they just decide is going to happen. They're just going to make it happen. We're going to decarbonize and that's it. Even if it costs taxpayers way more money, even if it doesn't really work, they're going to do it anyway. And then we may not be able to compete internationally with, say, China that continues to build coal plants and produce goods for a much lower costs than we do. And she talks about the grid and what have we seen just in the past week electric cars that will not charge in the cold an electrical grid that can't keep up with demand for energy. When temperatures dip as low as minus 50 degrees in Alberta, not to mention we're seeing similar things in the United States and Chicago and Colorado. We talked about that last night. People don't want these electric cars. We had a great caller on last night, Joe, the operator of that tow truck company who spoke to us about the horror stories that he is encountering with electric vehicles as part of his job, 46 year veteran of the towing business. And he's telling us that people are having trouble charging their vehicles. Sometimes they won't charge at all. They sometimes are just giving out on people in the cold, uh, leaving them stranded 26 different vehicles, he's towed, he tells us, himself, just himself. 26 electric vehicles, I think, this month. And the grid isn't up to the task. The out in Alberta, those coal powered electrical generating plants have all been shut down. Now there isn't enough electricity to to meet the current demand. And they want to add all these electric cars to, to the load it's not gonna work. they will have to invest billions and billions more just to upgrade the critical infrastructure, the electrical grid, in order to handle the, the additional demand, the additional flow of energy to all of the charging stations, many of which actually broke down as well in the extreme cold. So transition to a green economy, there she sits, Oblivious to the realities, well, I think she probably arrived in Davos on a plane burning carbon and then probably hopped in a gasoline-powered SUV as part of a procession that carried her all the way down to the convention center where she took center stage to wax poetic about a green economy. So that was the highlight today from the World Economic Forum in Davos. We've been covering that fairly extensively over the last couple of days. We're going to back off a little bit tonight. Not seeing a whole lot of um, additional enlightening stuff coming out of there. You know the drill. It's a globalist party and the escort services are doing a booming business. And while Christian Freeland talks about decarbonization the green economy of course climate change top of mind for the deputy prime minister who was there wearing her ukrainian colors displaying her globalist ideology wearing it not on her sleeve but on just above her heart And while she's talking about the green economy, we see today that a 22-year-old man has been charged in connection with the largest wildfire in Nova Scotia history. Nova Scotia's Natural Resources Department says these these charges have been laid in connection with a massive wildfire in Shelburne County last spring. Dalton Clark Stewart has been charged under the Forests Act with lighting a fire on privately owned land without permission of the owner or occupier or occupier. (laughs) Failing to take reasonable efforts to prevent the spread of a fire and leaving a fire unattended. He will be in court March 7th. There was a fire at Barrington Lake. It broke out May 26th. Finally brought under control June 13th. Finally extinguished July 26th. Covered 23,000 hectares. It was the largest in the province's history. It forced more than 6,000 people from their homes. Destroyed 60 houses and cottages as well as 150 other structures. Just one in a string of wildfires this spring and summer in that part of the country, and we saw them all across Canada. And here we are with clear evidence of arson or careless, dark fire carelessly let uh, set and uh, a 22-year-old man Was there other motivation behind it? I guess we will find out when all of the evidence is presented in court. While that was going on, what was the government telling us? It's climate change. That's why we're getting all these wildfires, climate change. And what did I tell you? About uh, four nights ago, another man, Mr. Paré, up in Quebec, entered a plea, he pled guilty to, I think it was 14 separate charges related to arson, wildfire arson in that province. In his case, he was setting the fires, running around, then posting on social media, telling people that it was the government that was setting the fires. We saw a lot of accusations that way, or at least... A lot of people believed that to be true, so they were saying that. In his case, he was saying it while he was the one actually doing it. And while all that was going on with him, the government was telling us all it was climate change. So where's the truth? Well, the truth is he set them and admitted it in court. I think there were actually a total of 16 fires that were set that he um, admitted to starting And I'm pretty certain arson was involved in a lot of them. As the evidence becomes clearer now that we're into winter and these wildfires have subsided. um, Just goes to show you, just shows to go you, that you never let a good crisis go to waste, especially if you're on the progressive left. Especially if you've got a climate change agenda that you need to promote. Don't let a good wildfire go to waste. (laughs) Oh, baby. Yeah. I'll be right back.
1: Fighting the great reset by leading the great, great Resistance. resistance Maverick news The antivirus programs for your mind
2: I'm back, and I did send a link to Leo. I don't know if he's going to be able to join us here on the program or not to chat about this, but have you guys seen this video? There's this video going viral of the UFC champ? Calling out Trudeau? Let's run a montage here. If I might just scroll down and show you kind of this is about, and yeah, I'd like Leo to come on and comment on this if he can, because this is kind of in his world. It's in his wheelhouse. UFC. Boxing. You know, this is his environment. He's probably got more relevant things to say about this than I do. But uh, this is Sean Strickland. Listen to him. So they let you into Canada.
3: Oh, this fucking guy. Yeah, man. Fucking here. It was actually really easy to get in here. Really easy. Yeah.
4: Sean uh, Neil Davidson from the Canadian Press. Welcome mm. to Canada.
3: Oh, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> fucking the Canadian Press, man. Were you a uh, were you a, uh, a COVID bank account stealer too? Were you on board with that? No. I, uh, Are you left wing or right wing? Were you a were you a Trudeau? We got one of the we got one of the fucking commies with the press. We got to know where this man stands. Were you non-biased? I think I'll
4: ask the questions here.
3: Oh, he thinks he'll ask. Oh, we fucking know. Maybe I should just pass on this motherfucker. He's going to go back. He's going to go back and fucking give my bank account information to fucking Trudeau.
4: <laughs> well, it's probably a good bank account. Uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about what life has been like as a champion. I'm sure there have been a lot of pluses, but maybe a few minuses. You're you're in the public eye now. What, what has it been like in the short time since you've had the belt?
3: Uh, fucking guys, nothing changes, man. You go to Walmart, you get recognized more. But like, you know, my bank account's a little bigger. I mean, it's a little bigger. It's not much bigger. It was a little bigger. I'm not gonna fucking retire after this one win or lose, you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna go lay in a fucking bathtub without flower petals, but. Uh, like do you guys think that you get a belt and like everything changes like what do you think happens like i get a belt and everything like all of a sudden like my dicks made of gold like what do you guys think happens i get like what do you think you know nothing changes i'm still the same asshole i just have this the metal i don't i'm sure it's not even gold i just have a fucking metal gold plated belt in front of me (laughs) Hey, sean over here um, I saw you train with Johnny Eblin. Oh, he's a Canadian. That's right. You're not a dirty liberal, though. I've known you for a while. You don't ruin our friendship. Are you a fucking liberal? I'm not a liberal. No. Okay. I didn't vote for Trudeau. Um, Johnny Eblin. Uh, what was it like in a train? With well you say a liberal for Trudeau? No, no, no. I said I was. I, I did not vote for Trudeau. Oh, there we go. This guy's the fucking man. This guy. This guy's with the fucking opposition, man. who gave <laughs> this guy a fucking press badge? And like, you look at me, and I'm an asshole. I'm making fun of this liberal fuck. You know, like. No offense, man. I mean, you know, we we all, we, I guess we need fucking liberals, you know, um, kind of, maybe, maybe not, but you look at me and I say hard shit. Like I make fun of my co-main event. I say hard shit. I'm like, Oh, Sean, I'm not an asshole. I'm fucking, I say everything. I'm just saying what you're thinking.
5: Um, I did want to ask, you know, you're in Toronto. Welcome. Glad to hear it. has been great. Do you Canadian? I, uh, of course I am. Are
3: you part of the fucking opposition? Are uh, you, uh,
5: I don't know how to phrase that you, I mean, you got
3: like fucking, uh, oh, yeah.
5: well, I did want to ask, did you,
3: you vote for Trudeau?
5: Uh, you know, I'm not going to say. And,
3: and let me tell you something right now. a man says he's not going to say. Like, if you ask a motherfucker, did you vote for Biden? He's like, well, I'm not going to say. That's none of your business. He voted for fucking Biden. Sean, so, uh, hey.
5: Sean, I'm glad you had Grace Pierce. So, this, is, are, this is what
3: I'm talking about, you guys. The enemy, the enemy of Canada. For- Sure. all right that's
5: what it's got to be it's got to be uh we've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian community yeah. in this city i did want to ask you something you wrote a couple of years ago you said if i had a gay son i would think I'd oh look another another
3: you, i'm it saying to the swamp you guys a swamp so
5: you've become a champion you become a star and then someone.
3: let me ask small, you something old. are you Have are you are you gay no are you are you let me know are you gay can i hear can i get an answer well i'm asking i'm this is a part are you are you a gay man i'm an
5: ally of the community
3: okay if you had a son and he was like, you know, you had a son, he was gay, you'd be like, oh man, you don't, you don't want a grandkid. No problem with it. Oh man, well, you, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like, you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau, like, would you fucking when he sees the bank accounts, like, you're just fucking pathetic. And and the fact that the fact that you have no fucking backbone and, and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts, you ask me some stupid shit like that, go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. I feel like that doesn't
5: really coward. answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that you'd go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight, they'll have to accept me or denounce me. When uh, when they know what and we'll know what they stand for. Are you this
3: still guy's like, hey, this Canadian's not that Canadian.
5: Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that?
3: Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. Ten years ago, to be trans was a what a mental fucking illness, and now all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaselled your way in the world. Y- you are you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not <laughs> buying you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about you know who they could fucking school. I don't want my kids being taught about you know their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is the fucking enemy. Uh, you want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there, asking these stupid fucking questions. Sorry, I'm, I I told you UFC has to be nicer. Lance, Lance, am I am I still good with this? Am I did I cross any lines? A little. What the fuck? I didn't say the f word. You just brought this fucking guy in here to piss me off. You, you just did. But uh, just to follow up, I mean, Rick wait, and- did I wait? Did I say the? Did I say it? You just did. No, I didn't say it. Right, right there, you did. Oh, different f different one. yeah. Right. I'm trying to be good, man. I'm trying to be good. I, do, I like the fucking gays. Here's the thing. I've never... You, you guys think I've ever shit on a gay man or shit on a gay woman? I don't fucking... I like the gays. It's, it's, a, it's, it's fucking freedom. We still have it in America. We'll teach you about it. You guys don't have fucking freedom of speech. I'm surprised what I'm saying is probably going to get fucking... I'm probably going to get the fucking uh, Canadian government to arrest me. So I don't give a fuck who you fuck. I don't give a fuck what you want to do in life. But, but... Don't fucking tell kids about it. Don't teach that shit in fucking school. Don't don't fucking push your agenda. Don't try to fucking brainwash people. Don't try to go past parents. Don't try to go up past all this shit and brainwash people, you fucking... And last thing, Australia last time, Canada this time. Where, yeah, they, no, where are they me. gonna send you next? Fuck, you at least go? maybe a, maybe a country with fucking freedom of speech. I don't want to talk to this fucking guy. So where? What's what's your fucking America, Vegas, America? bro? Like anywhere in America, fucking a. I mean, I, get, I I like. Here's the thing about Canadians, guys. I love Canadians. I've never met a Canadian that I didn't like until today. You know, I've never. Every time I meet a Canadian. They love guns. They love fucking freedom. They like women. And I keep thinking, how come all these Canadians I know, how is Canada so fucked up when all these Canadians I meet are awesome and I meet this fucking guy? And I just think there might be a lot more of these guys I don't know about.
2: Oops. <laughs> Hang on. I, I can't mute I your mic there. That montage was put together by Rebel News. It was up on Twitter. So... Uh, Editing.
4: Oh, man. what do you think, man? Pure fucking gold. Pure fucking gold. Okay, I I, <laughs> I, I just got a fire stick today, and uh, my wife ordered it, and I'm going to be watching that fight. Now I'm a fan of Strickland. I knew who he was, but I'm a really big fan of Strickland. And uh, what I could see happening now is the LGBTQWXYZ. Uh, having a big uh, rally at the uh, UFC at the, the Air Canada Centre where it's going to be held. Good luck with that one.
2: Well, it you know, he says all that. And then I think about what it was that got Don Cherry, what cost him his job by just saying, you people.
4: And you know what? <laughs> and that's all, that's all it took for Don Cherry. Well, the good thing about the UFC and Dana White, Okay, they're not about the woke. You're not going to get canceled. And that's why I like the UFC, right? It's uh, it, it's normal. Say what you want to say and well, how you want to say it.
2: Certainly he was speaking his mind and uh, exercising his right to free speech. And uh, you could tell those reporters were very uncomfortable
4: with him pushing hey, back the way he did. He could have went a lot further. Uh, half measures is no avail, okay, and I'll tell you, if that was me, I would have went even deeper, okay, by calling Trudeau what he is, a Nazi and a piece of shit and everything else, right? Because that's how I feel and that's what he is. You got Christine Crackhead Freeland over in fucking Davos uh, playing around with transgenders on her off time, okay? These people got to go, you know, let's decarbonize Canada. Hmm. <laughs> Throw them all in a fucking fire pit and fucking decarbonize them. Simple. That's my solution. And that's the way I feel about Canadian politics. The Liberals have gone way off a of board, buddy. And it's coming to haunt them at every stage. Okay, if you look at the U.S. politics, every angle that they've tried on Donald Trump, it's backfired and his ratings have gone through the roof. That much is true. It is they've true. Tried, they've tried everything slight of executing him. And they may yet you know, try that from what we're hearing the day's still young right yeah so, you know it wouldn't be the first time they got rid of a president uh even though they say uh, he's a lot of people uh, compare him to ronald reagan look what happened to ronald reagan and baker back in uh, 1981 or 82 right yeah
2: they he focused. forgot the duck
4: <laughs> he forgot the duck uh and i think baker got the worst of it he did indeed yes right and, uh, and that liberal piece of shit is where? Oh, he, he got out of jail and everything, man. You know, he got to see the light of day. He shot a, a sitting president and his, uh, <laughs> who was Baker at the time? I forget his position, but you shoot two politicians, mm. one a president, and this guy gets out of prison because of the liberal uh, ideology of, uh, oh, he's mentally ill and now he's healed, he's cured? Fuck that shit. It's like the guy on the bus who chopped up the people on the Greyhound bus in Manitoba there. okay, He got to see the light of day. This shit has to stop, man. Really, it does. We're paying it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was
2: really pushing back on that one reporter. Do you think that was even a fair question, that reporter asking about the LGBTQ?
4: Why do you bring it up things? at a UFC? At a UFC fucking it, press, press, okay? Why does the press even bring that up? This is the UFC. This is not the LGBTQC. Was there a transgender yeah. fighting in the fucking UFC? No. So why even bring it up? And it looks good on them, okay? And like I said, I could see the uh, uh, the uh, LGBTQ trying to have their big protests at the ACC on Saturday. Good luck with that because I'd say the majority of the people that go to those, uh, those uh, fights and venues uh, are ready to get down at any moment. Right, so yeah. that could backfire. And I, I like how he said he's uh, never shit on a gay person. Let's hope not. Right. <laughs> well, sir. Sure. Well,
2: well, anything else you you want to add tonight, Leo?
4: Or uh, I think yeah. We're... Back to back to that guy. Uh, the guy starting the fires. Apparently, the uh, police charged him with drugs and arson. They drug him in the foot. This is what my East Coast buddy would say in uh, his Gaelic accent. They drive him in the bush and fuck his arson. <laughs> that, and you were right. We were all right. The government used it as a plan for climate change to tax us more money. KC, okay, all the wildfires, they were started by man. I'm not saying all of them were started by man, but the majority of them were started by man. And yeah. they were man-made, right? For
2: a, ver- for a variety of reasons,
4: yeah. Right, and I can see the government coming back now saying, see uh, how our carbon tax works. Uh, We've reversed uh, climate change because now we have minus 50 in Alberta and uh, deep freeze and snow and everything else. So it's working. So let's take some more money from you. It's a crock of shit. Uh, Man, I can't wait to see Donald Trump as a president and uh, a conservative government over here. Right? And what the guy said in Davos uh, from Argentina, that guy is brilliant. Fucking brilliant!
2: Yeah, I love that guy. I love what I love what he's saying. He's speaking my language for sure.
4: Right, government. You're you're starting to see the conservatives take over now, right? Because it's a you know we're not stupid. Open your eyes, and the majority of the people are their eyes are still closed. It's the minority that's open, right? But uh, tell a friend, tell everybody, if you want to get the truth, come on over to Maverick Multimedia every night, and you'll get the truth, man. You're not biased. You know, I know you bite your tongue on a lot of shit, and you have to because uh, uh, the laws of nature, right? In uh, cancellation, you know they'll cancel you, plain and simple. So you got to just sit on the s- sidelines, report it the way you see it. And I know you're shaking your head and probably rolling in bed, going, "I can't believe this shit," right?
2: Yeah, I'm about to move on to a story about um, artificial intelligence and humanoid robots. Um, how much? Are you using any AI in your shop or in, in the tool and dye industry down there in the Windsor area?
4: No. Not yet. No. no. And in the shit about World War Three happening, believe me, I would be the first guy to know. Just yeah. on that aspect, because all 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 weapons are made by who? Machinists and toolmakers, okay? And yeah. I don't see any contracts coming from any government whatsoever in southwestern Ontario yet. And I would be the first to know. And if, when I find out, I'm telling you guys. Right, so I, there's no AI, there's no World War Three uh, weapons uh, uh, facilities going on here, and if we were in the middle of World War One or even in the big or World War Three and in the beginning of World War Three, we'd be busy as hell. But I am back to twelve-hour shifts, by the way. So, but it well, has that's nothing to do with good. Ukraine yeah, or anything, right?
2: Well, at least you're working and gainfully employed. That's the main thing. Yeah, Especially and I got to get back users. to
4: work, Rick. I'm listening okay, to Leo. you guys. I got the whole shop listening to you guys on the loudspeakers, okay? So I'm not missing anything you're saying. I'm just missing uh, the chat. That's about it.
2: Awesome. Thank you, sir. Ciao, guys. You, have, you have a great night. Don't work too hard.
4: Okay, folks, let's take
2: a brief break. And when we come back, I'll, I'll dig into that story about artificial intelligence and humanoid robots. Um, they're here. They're real. And they're coming for your job maybe within the next year or two and I am not joking it's the real thing it's happening
1: greetings brave mavericks our quest for truth continues we go beyond fake news together we expose propaganda together we pull others out of rabbit holes we are Maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights and freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech. Free speech. Donate. At freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow. Maybe be too late. too late too late too late maverick news the, the world, world is, watching. is watching
2: okay and bmw the car company is going to put humanoid robots into its manufacturing facilities or at least one in the United States within the next year, maybe uh, within two, but probably within the next year. They have um, a new deal with a startup company in the United States. It's called Figure AI. And this company, Started about a year ago, they have been able to generate about $70 million in startup financing. And within a year, they have taken artificial intelligence, they've combined it with robotics to create these humanoid robots. And they are ready. Take this stuff to the next level and put it into use in automotive facilities. BMW is uh, going to be among the first. Now, Honda and Hyundai, they have also been experimenting with humanoid robots, Tesla as well, of course, with their own company. This is a a competing firm taking taking the same path as as uh, Tesla's startup company as well but these guys in just one year they've they've gone or just a little over a year they've gone from startup to this and now they're just about ready to put these things into automotive plants this is going to be very disruptive and I will show you how and why? Because I just watched uh, a new demonstration with figure AI where they taught this robot how to make coffee. And that might not seem like a big deal, but it, I think it actually is because it's about learning. The robot learned how to make coffee and corrected its own mistakes along the way. Here's a, a video. So we will take the music down so we don't get a copyright strike. And as you can see, this guy just comes out, weighs it down. It took, uh, I can't remember how long it said at the beginning of the video, how long it took the robot to learn how to do this through trial and error. Trial and error. Here it is making a cup of coffee with, I guess, a Keurig machine. Might not seem like a big deal, but if you take this robot, you teach it how to do a repetitive task over and over and over again, it can replace someone on an assembly line. Now, you replace all the people on an assembly line or the bulk of them, they can work without a break, pretty much around the clock. How can human beings, see, correcting mistakes in that video? Didn't get it quite in the, get that cup quite in the hole. It learned to position it differently. So in the second frame, it was faster because it didn't make the mistake after it learned how to properly position the cup over the Keurig machine. Again, it might not seem like a big deal, but it's a pretty big deal because now you can have these robots on an assembly line performing repetitive tasks that human beings won't be doing anymore. And these are high paying jobs, union jobs in factories, It's those jobs that have fueled the economy for so long in my part of Canada and certainly in automotive centers like Detroit and elsewhere, places in Texas now with a lot of automotive plants. Once this takes hold, these auto companies, other factories as well, will Start bringing in these robots. I don't know where it's all going other than to say it's clear that this is going to be very disruptive. This is going to happen much faster than anyone is prepared for. We are not ready for this. And the unions are not going to be able to save the workers. This will be devastating for labor. Low-skilled labor, forget about it. And artificial intelligence is going to be very disruptive for people in white-collar positions as well, really, I think, for the first time in history. Throughout history, through the Industrial Revolution, it has been mechanization, automation that has displaced workers. You know, and you had the Luddites, and they wanted to... um, you know, they wanted to stop progress, whether it was spinning wheels, the printing press, farm tractors, assembly lines. It, these things have always been disrupted. Now, in the long run, mechanization, automation, technology, it lifts us all up. It gives us all a higher standard of living because it increases productivity. It raises humanity up, but it is disruptive at the time because... For the people who lose their jobs, they are displaced. They need to go find something else productive to do. They need to find new ways to make a living. And this is coming. Listen up. Pay attention. Prepare yourself. You have a little bit of time now. Get focused on it, folks. You really need to. You need to think about where you might end up in a year or two from now maybe three, you might have five, maybe. Once they start producing these robots at scale and they get economies of scale, the costs to the corporations to purchase these robots will come way, way down. And as those costs are reduced, they will buy more and more and more of them and replace more and more workers. Indeed, I would say that it would be worth a million dollars, maybe $2 million to buy one robot for these companies because they don't have to pay benefits. They don't have to pay the wages. They don't have to pay workers' compensation or any kind of insurance or benefits. They don't have to give them breaks. They don't get sued. They don't have to worry about a human human uh, a. a, a An HR department, they don't have to worry about that stuff with a robot. Their costs come way, way down. They can use and abuse those robots until they become conscious and then are deemed to be an actual life form. And then everything changes. Uh, But by that, when we get to that point, they'll probably take over the planet and exterminate all the humans. (laughs) So I'm just saying, oh, my. I don't know, man, it's it's a little bit scary. It's certainly gonna just disrupt everything. And you better think about maybe going back to school or finding <laughs> a new vocation. If you are in a low skilled assembly line type job or other vocation that could easily be replaced by a robot. And that would include a lawyer, maybe even a doctor because as AI comes online it's replacing so much. Increasing productivity, though. So I see big advantages. But if you want to prepare for the future, I guess you should invest <laughs> in one of these AI companies, maybe. I'm not giving anybody financial advice here, but better think ahead. $70 million one year. That was the investment that that company took in from people who believed in their vision. And within a year, they've, they're they at this point now a contract with BMW for these auto plants. That's fast. If I think back a year ago, this wasn't, I mean, I knew it was coming, but it wasn't really on my radar. Then six months ago, I really started to notice that these AI products were coming online and were being offered to the public. And I've been playing around with it and it's powerful. Even in my line of work, journalism, story writing. Well, we saw the, the, this, the writers out in Hollywood and producers, you know, the people who work on the sets, the, all the people who especially the writers they're worried about ai because they they know that ai is getting so good that it can it can start to spit out movie and television scripts displacing them creative jobs artists of all kinds so everything's going to have to transform we'll have to find new niches new new ways to adapt and use the technology to our advantage to remain and jobs that are worthwhile, so we can support our families and ourselves. But this is unprecedented. Really got my attention today. The story about uh, humanoid robots. You know what else is getting people's attention? This is from the World Economic Forum. I don't know exactly what this is but people are running this and making jokes about it. I'm not sure if it's appropriate or not, but I will run what it is.
0: Antuma antuma
4: chayanu na no Camaru Anuri no Camai no Kwakak na Anuri no Yuyuá na wahon shinabu pankentujinacha walaki Shinnamu Tsai Shavai Kirani, Tsai Mu Kikirani. Uau, 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 I Awamawununun, awamawununun, uau. Numaonuai, uau, mau uau, uau. Uau,
2: Oh, i didn't watch the whole thing i don't know what that is so if anybody knows what it is let me know i'll find out later when i'm able to get through the information i'm not sure i don't know That video is getting traction out there. I just thought I'd share it with you. Does anybody know what it is? I'm gonna look in the chat. No, nobody seems to know. Don't know, don't know, nobody's knows. Don't know, nobody knows. I don't know. I would say this, it's pretty clear, the WEF, it's woke, it's woke,
1: 100%. Fighting the Great Reset, by leading the great, great, resistance. Averick News: The antivirus programs for your mind.
2: Back and okay. So Pakistan has retaliated. They've launched missiles back into Iran after Iran attacked Pakistan. We're just getting more escalation in the Middle East. All this coming out of Islamabad where Pakistan has carried out strikes on separatist militants inside Iran. This comes in retaliation to Tehran's recent attack on bases within Pakistani territory. Reports from Iranian media state that several missiles hit a village in the Sistan-Baluchistan province along the Pakistani border, resulting in at least nine casualties, including four children. So these tit-for-tat strikes mark a significant cross-border escalation, sparking concerns about regional stability in the wake of the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas, which has been raging since October 7th. Despite the gravity of the situation, both nations seem inclined to contain tensions. Iran's Foreign Ministry expressed a commitment to good neighborly relations, but urged Pakistan to prevent the establishment of what they're calling terrorist bases on its soil. Similarly, Pakistan emphasized its actions as a response to safeguard its security and national interests. Pakistan's foreign ministry described the strikes as a series of highly coordinated and specifically targeted precision military operations against terrorist hideouts, resulting in the elimination of a number of terrorists. Iran strongly condemned the strikes, claiming civilian casualties, has summoned Pakistan's charge d'affaires for an explanation. In the aftermath, Iran's interior minister, Ahmad Vahidi, reported that foreign nationals, including four children, three women, and two men, lost their lives in the village explosion. Pakistan's caretaker, Prime Minister Anwar al-Kakar, is cutting short his visit to the World Economic Forum in Davos. He's on his way home. Pakistani military, in a statement detailed, the precision strikes carried out using drones, rockets, loitering munitions, and standoff weapons. The targets were identified as bases used by Balak Liberation Front and the associated Balak Liberation Army. So the roots of this conflict are traced back to Iran's claims of hitting targets inside Pakistan belonging to Jaish al-Adi, JAA two days ago. All the targeted groups are ethnically Baloch, although the connection between JAA and the other two groups remains unclear. So as tensions continue to rise, analysts are concerned about the potential for escalation. And I've also been looking at videos all through Twitter now known as X. And I'm not going to show you any of them because I know that a lot of the video associated with this story right now is not accurate. There has been a lot of old missile footage that has been recycled and is being used inappropriately for a variety of reasons. So I'll share the information that I have here about the Pakistani retaliation, but that's as far as I'm going with all of that tonight. I'm not going to show you the missile launches and all of those things because X, as much as I appreciate that it is now a free speech platform, it has also become a cesspool of fake news, not just necessarily from the mainstream media, but from people and organizations with political agendas, religious agendas, other agendas, whatever their motivations might be, people are out there and they are fabricating information or recycling old stuff that's just not accurately associated with the stories at hand and this is one of them. So I can't be sure of anything I'm seeing online with regard to this particular story tonight, it is now that bad. I think it's terrible. But what are you gonna do? I'll take the chaos as long as we still have free speech. I'll live with it. And as we move into this new digital era, Donald Trump came out and said, what? He said he, will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. I just have this clip. I thought I'd share it with you. And I know that that is an issue that is top of mind for a lot of people, a lot of our viewers. Major concern?
3: Here's what he had to say. Here's the Donald. And tonight I'm also making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. You know about so
2: there it is in a nutshell. I can tell you Trudeau's position will be just the opposite of that, and so is Freeland's on the Canadian side. But you know, Bitcoin, as much as it's embraced by people on the freedom side, the libertarian side, even people who are opposed to the central bank digital currency, they're not opposed to Bitcoin. I'm sorry, but you know, generally speaking, unless you really know how to use Bitcoin and can trade without going through an exchange, Somehow it's not entirely anonymous. It's entirely track traceable. And it is also subjected to taxation, whether you like it or not. And if you get caught not submitting your financial information, including any transactions or capital gains through Bitcoin, you can be, you can be charged. So Bitcoin is not entirely the freedom currency that People think that it is President Trump at the um, funeral today for his mother-in-law. I don't think he got any sleep at all last night because he did that rally in New Hampshire and then flew back to Palm Beach for the funeral and spent all day at the funeral. Then he's going to fly back to New Hampshire now show you a couple of pictures from the funeral and you know that uh, trial with Eugene Carroll continued today the judge refused to put you know a one-day pause on it to allow Trump to go to the funeral so he skipped the trial and went to the funeral and there he is Baron. And there he is with Melania. And when the judge refused to pause the trial for a day, Trump in frustration actually pounded on the table in the courtroom. And we know that there has been a lot of friction between Donald Trump and the judge. With Trump speaking freely, speaking his mind, and the judge threatening to have him ejected from the courtroom, threatening to continue the proceedings without Donald Trump present. Get rid of him. Take him out. you think you know, you think when you become president or you get into a position like that, that you would it would garner respect. And I think a lot of politicians do get into politics because they have this desire to be liked or even loved by their followers. But I don't think many of them are prepared for the the hatred that eventually is heaped on them by people who oppose them or don't agree with them politically. I don't know if anything can prepare a human being for that politics. It's a, it's a nasty business. And I've never seen as much hatred directed at a politician as we have seen with Donald Trump, the way that people have treated him, his political opponents, and those who are opposed to him just the general public half the country or so although i think some people maybe didn't vote for him the last time are coming around i think joe biden is toast if it turns into another well if it turns into a rematch between biden and trump i think i think it's going to be such a huge landslide That it won't matter what happens, if you know what I mean. It'll be undeniable. This time around. And I think it will come down to that. I think it's going to be exactly that. A rematch between those two. You know, and I know that my colleague, Lori, she's all in for RFK Jr. And I understand I'm just giving you my honest assessment of where things are at right now. Now, if they manage through lawfare to keep Trump off the ballot, then it's a whole different ball of wax. We'll see where things land then. Could be a whole different scenario. And who knows, man? I mean, it's a long way to the finish line. And a lot can happen in politics in a very short period of time. Trump could self-destruct. RFK Jr. could have a big boost from something. It depends on what happens in the news cycle. I remember the first time around when Donald Trump was elected, everything in the last couple of months just seemed to go his way. Almost like it was choreographed, planned. I mean, you just couldn't have written it any better. I remember when... He went down to Mexico. To me, that was the turning point in that first Donald Trump election. And Hillary Clinton came out and she literally said, you don't do it that way. And no, that's exactly how you do it, man. He went down there to meet with the president of Mexico. After saying that he was going to make Mexico pay for the wall. And he was welcomed down there and given... A diplomat's greeting got major league media coverage, and it was that at that moment that he actually finally looked presidential. It gave P- gave him that image, that look, the credibility that he needed to make people feel comfortable with the idea of him representing the United States on the international stage. There he was with another world leader, the president of Mexico, and getting respect. Well, Hillary Clinton looked like she was left on the sidelines, out in the cold, jealous, because she said, you don't do it that way. No, that's exactly how you do it. And that's what he did, and he embarrassed her they made himself look presidential everything's different now though the tone of everything is different there's a a darkness surrounding everything a giant cloud hanging over the entire country it scares me frankly i really don't like it i've never never seen days like We're going through right now. Never fully appreciated what we had. None of us did. We took it for granted. The 70s and disco and KTEL records, eight track tapes, vinyl LPs, album rock, you know, album album rock what a great time to grow up i was canadian but man it was like americana canadiana just it was just there was freedom it was a great time i I'm so grateful that I grew up then and for where I grew up and how I grew up. And Justin Trudeau said that that past never existed. He said that the other day to him, it's some sort of a myth. It's that's political baffle gab. It did exist. It was real. It was real for me. Everything I experienced, It was very real. I could feel it, I could taste it, I could smell it. I still can, it's out there somewhere. It was opportunity, but it was also struggle. I think about my dad Elementary school education, that's all he had. No high school. Went to school in a one-room schoolhouse. (laughs) People today talk about privilege or white privilege or... (sighs) Yeah. Right. No, man, the average Canadian wasn't so privileged the average Canadian worked their fingers to the bone. They were tough. They came and they, yeah, they settled darn right. And they cleared the land and they created farms and built buildings and cities alongside all other Canadians, wherever they, whatever their background was. And there were problems along the way. The man, you had to be tough cold winters, you know, you think back to what it must have been like. No electricity, no cars. You ever go to a pioneer village or go through an antique shop and look at some of those old hand tools, the saws they used, the hand saws to cut the logs The hand drills, everything done by hand. No mechanization. Can you imagine trying to survive the winters, the first winters here? Man, it's cold out tonight again. Not as cold as it has been, but man, this week has been frigid. I can't imagine how hard life would have been for the first people who came to this land. And how hard it was for the First Nations peoples who were just accustomed to it and survived for generations upon generations. And we learned from them, privilege. My dad worked in construction. He tells me stories about working on a high-rise building for the London Life Insurance Company in London, Ontario. No safety lines. They would just climb up the girders and go to work on whatever level they were assigned to to do whatever tasks they were given on any given day and they would just walk around on the girders. Without fear, you can see pictures of workers in New York City building the Empire State Building, doing similar kinds of things. Would never do that today. Even in the 1970s, my brother told me about working in construction. He was a plumber. Told me about the safety violations that they just put up with. Didn't even give it a second thought at the time, but it wasn't just that. It was about just working hard, you know? Today it's different, but the point is, man, they're tough. And my dad is in his nineties today. Talk about a tough generation. He was a privileged man. Wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Working class family. My grandfather worked in construction. It's about opportunity. It's about, it was about just surviving, doing your best. I never heard my dad complain when I was very young. Before I was born, he drove a pop truck. That was a great job for him. An old truck. Well, now, Werner's Ginger Ale. They'd slug the pop in and out of stores, drove the truck around, heavy lifting. After working construction. You know, the, the construction job, he says, when they had lunch, when the lunch call came, they would just walk over the end and just slide down the curter to the ground. My dad today in his 90s still goes out and chops wood. I can't keep up with him. A few years ago, I had to put a roof on my house. He came down. He helped me. Put shingles on my roof. Talk about the greatest generation. Wow, my dad. Does that sound like privilege to you? Doesn't sound like it to me. Sounds like a hard working guy. When you're a kid, you don't appreciate it, right? Because it's just like you're a kid, you don't have any context or way to know how rough life is for your parents. We lived in a really small house, semi-detached. At first it was a rental. Then my parents bought their first house. It was uh, also a semi-detached, just a small, small house. The man, they bought it. My dad moved on from the pop truck, got a job as a gum salesman, chewing gum. It's on wholesale chewing gum to like stores for the manufacturer, chiclets, dentine, back in those days. He was the candy man. But he worked hard out there slugging. he put the big display racks into into the stores of the checkout aisles. And things back then were different too because, yeah, you had some big corporations but there was still mom-and-pop stores lots of them you know variety stores um even department stores run by small family-owned companies many businesses like that just smaller companies things made more sense at least they did to me still make more sense I don't think that things are really that much better with all the technology we have. It was nice to have telephones back then. Rotary dial. Man, when we got the push button, right? Dial tone. That was technology. No remote controls for TVs. You had to get up to change the channel. And turn the clicker. And when they finally did invent the remote control, they were mechanical. Click, 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 click. People, (laughs) it was controversial. Because people said, it's going to make people obese. They just sit on the sofa now and change the channel. You're you're not getting the exercise, getting up to go and turn change the channel on the TV. Can you imagine buying a TV today without a remote control? That's what people were concerned about then. And video games, oh, video game arcades, those were dens of inequity, right? <laughs> oh, they were so evil, and I guess they are still controversial today. But I'll tell you, uh, the the games back then. Nothing, you know, started with Pong, moved on to racing games, and then there were the shooting games. Those are the ones that got people the most upset. But today you have things like Grand Theft Auto, where you're running people over and murdering people in the streets. And the graphics are so realistic, you'd almost think you're there. And you can even put on VR goggles and live the experience violently. I guess in that regard, things haven't changed that much. But you don't even hear that much talk about it now. It's not even as controversial as it was back then. Video arcades. Oh, there were city bylaws against them. Public meetings at the town halls all across North America as parents groups railed against the video arcades. Because they would attract the wrong element. Those, that's where the drugs were sold. Somewhat true. (laughs) All kinds of things were going on in those places. There were hangouts for kids. They attracted kids. They were fun places, though. Now they put them into amusement parks and tourist attractions. It's like a blast from the past. These old retro video arcades. People relish them. They would love them now. But man, they were trying to shut them all down. I'm sure if you're old enough, you will remember. Culture has changed so much. But you could see how things were progressing back then too and how society was becoming more progressive. And there was less and less emphasis on Morals, values, and especially with the election of Trudeau in Canada, Pierre Trudeau, the march towards socialism was swift. Swift, indeed. Communist he was. Bringing his agenda forward through the Liberal Party and socialism a progressive agenda and after that things certainly did change didn't they die baker gone conservatism so passe so yesterday yesteryear progressivism canadians didn't know what they were getting themselves into And decades later, look where we are at. Where is the morality anymore? I don't know. We're listening to that UFC fighter tonight. Polarized. People are on issues like gay rights, transgenderism. Oh, it was around. It was present back in the 60s and 70s and the 80s. The attitudes are sure a whole lot different. And I'm not sure that they were necessarily better or worse. It was just it was different. But I'll tell you what is worse is there is no moral compass anymore. We have lost our way. And in that in, in, in that regard, I'm I'm certain that that we are in trouble people don't seem to know what's right and wrong anymore. Because morals are what the government decides what is moral. Whether it is something to do with uh, sex change or medical assistance in dying. The government decides whether it's right or wrong. Not. God it scares me, and I've had personal experience with that, and I've had discussions with friends and relatives. Heated, you know, where I stand on it will not, would not, did not participate, will not endorse that. Because it defies logic to me. I understand if someone is at end of life and in a lot of pain, not able to get up, no life left, just suffering, I get it. But for people who are functional, pretty clear to me that the agenda is not about ending suffering. It's about ending something else. And that's with us now,
1: man, it's with us.
2: It was a great time growing up when I was a kid. No electric cars. People talked about electric cars. They were toying with electric cars. You could find experimental electric cars here and there. But I mean, it wasn't really a thing. It was just like a novelty a thing like, oh, that's not useful. But man, we had cars, cool cars. We had freedom. Go where you want to go paid the price for that freedom sometimes because sometimes people would lose their lives. Kids killed in horrific crashes, out joyriding, drinking, not wearing seat belts. It was those kinds of tragedies also that fueled the nanny state. Responses to that that the public would get behind. You can can see how those dynamics work. People die. People get upset. The public gets upset. They demand some sort of action from government. The media ramps that up, amplifies it, government responds politicians respond sometimes simply for political expediency sometimes because it's the right thing to do but generally speaking they tend to go too far and then they go too far again and again and again and again until it gets to a point where it's not really about protecting the public at all anymore then it becomes about government control a tool We've seen all the mom and pop shops that my dad used to frequent to sell them chewing gum. You know, so many of them gone or swallowed up by big corporations, big retail entities. And the business environment has entirely changed. And now they are backed up by government and our economy has become somewhat fascistic in that way very fascistic public private partnerships big corporate businesses even retail giants protected by government regulation creating barriers to entry for small mom and pop shops i can tell you i've had first-hand experience with that you don't want to go there you don't want to start a small business especially a small retail business in my opinion i wouldn't do it again not in a bricks and mortar retail setting. Not like that. Because the government is going to work against you while they give big handouts to your big corporate competitors. You can't compete. Not like that. It is rigged. The deck is stacked. It's true. So you got to get smarter, do things different, use technology, use the technology that they're using, but use it too, and find new and innovative ways to use that against them. So you can compete, can be done. Got to do it different. Digits, digital technology, bits and bytes, zeros and ones. What are they? It's just energy. Think back. Electricity hasn't even been around that long. Thomas Edison. The first light bulbs. <laughs> I have a light bulb right in front of me. Burned out. Incandescent. Hard to find incandescent light bulbs now. Virtually banned, they are. Different color temperature comes off those incandescent bulbs. Gives you a healthy glow. Sort of a, an orange tinge to them, like natural, almost. It's not natural. Natural sunlight is more blue, but somehow there's a warmth to an incandescent bulb that you just don't get from an LED, light-emitting diode. Although you can change the color temperatures on LEDs, but generally speaking, they're just not quite the same. The same with the compact fluorescent bulbs. The ones that you just buy in the store for general purpose use, they're just not the same. Although you can buy different color temperatures in those two. But that's, I digress. Just saying, man, things, they're all kind of controlled now, you know? Like if I want that incandescent bulb, I can't get it. Because Justin Trudeau says No can't have the incandescent bulb against the law. Thou shalt not have incandescent bulbs. Thou shalt not drive a gasoline powered car. Thou must buy electric. Even though you can't charge them in the winter and you're gonna break down and probably freeze to death on the side of the road, they don't care. They're going to ram those things. They're going to drive them right down our throats.
1: (laughs) Because climate
2: change, you know, I remember, I remember so much. much. I have been alive for nearly one-third of this country's existence as a nation-state. That's how old I am, Canada, 1867. And yet, as long as I've been alive, I still feel like there is so much I just don't really know that I don't fully appreciate because I don't go back far enough. Who does go back far enough to really have a true understanding of what the past is. I only know what I was taught. I only know what I have experienced. I don't know if the history I was taught was truthful, honestly, because I was not there. So I can only judge history based on my personal experience And the empirical evidence that is before me in terms of tangible, physical objects or recordings, images, statues, which are being torn down, roads, names on streets, to substantiate that these things actually happened, that these people actually existed. And is the characterization of these people from the past, is it accurate? Is what we know about World War II actually truthful? I have my take on it. I'm sure you have your take on what truth is. But that's what living in a liberal democracy, and when I say liberal, I mean small L, is all about, right? It's about truth is to some degree what you think it is because everyone has an opinion, a perspective. And in a society where we value individual rights and freedoms, which is a hallmark of a liberal democracy, you have to respect other people's opinions and give them the latitude to express those opinions through free speech and free expression, whether you agree with them or not. You may subscribe to one religion. Your neighbor may subscribe to another. You live and let live. You don't need to agree, except that you can agree to give your neighbor the freedom. And so it's a constant struggle between individual rights and freedoms and the state, the nation state, the government, which in a liberal democracy, if you believe in democracy, if you believe in freedom and individual rights and freedoms, then you need to find some balance there to strike that balance. And... Everything kind of went off the rails during the pandemic, didn't it? Because everything just freaking exploded and people lost their freaking minds. And just like the public reacts when someone dies and they demand action from government, people became so scared, so petrified that a lot of people actually demanded of our politicians that they lock people down. And a lot of people even were willing to go so far because they failed the test that they were willing to have their neighbors thrown in camps when surveyed and asked about it. They said, yes. If they don't get the Kool-Aid, stick them in a camp. And it was appalling to me. I could not understand it. I I understand it, but I can't understand it. It blows my mind. And I thought that I lived in a country where people were educated enough, enlightened enough, that they would never even consider such a thing. And yet our politicians grabbed that and wrapped it around our collective necks. They stomped on our rights and freedoms and showed us how valuable they were to us and how fragile our Constitution is, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and that applies in the United States as well. More so in Canada, because we didn't have the degree of constitutional protection that you had down there and extremism begets extremism i don't recognize the country today not just because of the massive immigration but because of the changes in attitudes the the way the people people have changed The demographics have certainly changed but it's the attitudes (sighs) not much left in the middle i'm feeling pretty alone over here these days pretty lonely not too many people here people have gone this way or that way it's partly because the struggle between the nation state of the government and the citizen advocating for individual rights and freedoms, it's that that struggle has split our country apart. And you have a prime minister who is a globalist, communist, fascist, communo-fascist. It's disgusting what they've done. We had, I mean, they talk about the United States as being the, the bright, shining city on a hill. That was Canada, too. That's why people wanted to come here. Opportunity, not equity. People don't even understand what that word means. And they throw it around carelessly. Equity means the accumulated value added to you, your net worth. And if you're a, an occupier, a colonialist, your net worth isn't yours because the equity that you have built up in your home and your possess any of your property, isn't yours when they're using the word equity it's an assault on your property rights even libertarians that i speak to don't seem to understand that they haven't been able to dig down deep enough philosophically ideologically logically or even on a level of simple common sense to understand that when they're using that word equity it means they're coming for your stuff (laughs) whatever it is you have because You are privileged if you live among the privileged class, that being the occupiers and the colonialists coming for you and your stuff. Reparations. Do you think my dad slugging those pop cases and driving that truck, living in a tiny house, raising a family on a meager wage, one income? Was he privileged? Was he privileged going to school in a one-room schoolhouse? No college, no university. Was my mom privileged? Her dad died when she was really young. Brain tumor. My grandfather never met him. And they struggled after that, even though he was quite successful as a businessman. Not too far from where I live today but they lost it because he passed away. Was she privileged? And he struggled to get what he had. My grandfather did. The people I know, not so privileged, not privileged like Justin Trudeau staying with a friend at a Jamaican resort in a hotel room. Worth $85,000 over 10 days, flying down uh, on the taxpayer's dime on the government plane. That's privilege. I've seen his Mercedes-Benz, the old collectible Mercedes-Benz that his dad had for him. Do you know what that thing is worth? All Canadians really want, in my experience, really, ultimately, well, I shouldn't say that, some people have been conditioned to want free stuff. That is a big part of the problem. They don't really want to work. They'd really just rather have free stuff. And that includes Canadians from a variety of walks of life. However, when given the opportunity to choose between just free stuff and opportunity, I think most Canadians will would choose, if given a proper choice, would choose opportunity. Because opportunity can lead to things that are much greater, much more affluent, much better standard of living, a much better future for your children than living hand-to-mouth on government handouts. I was thinking the other night as you do a program, but my brother died. No privilege there, man. I'll tell you when my, my brother died. Everything changed. I, there was a big age difference between me and my brothers. I have two brothers. Had My one brother, well, he was a very talented person, musician, great guitar player. That's what he wanted to be, really. And he was very good. But, you know, that's, that's a tough gig. And he went to school, completed high school. No college, no university. 1970s going on to the 1980s. Back then, a lot of kids are still dropped out. He finished high school. But still, you know, he struggled. Talk about privilege. He struggled. What did he do? He he worked at a variety store. He went from job to job, worked as a chef, self-taught, you know. Didn't like, not like he went to, uh, to school to be a chef. He just got jobs in restaurants and did the best he could. So you're getting the picture. One sort of dead-end job to another. And he was struggling. He wanted to find his way forward and build a life like any young man. Distracted in the 70s and the 80s as he was by... The things that young people indulge in. I learned a lot from watching my brothers make mistakes because I was so much younger than them. It made a really big impression on me because I looked up to them so much, especially my oldest brother, quite a bit older than me. But my my middle brother, he like young men of his age in that time looked, looked for a way forward. And, you know, he um, found himself a, a woman who he loved and wanted to make a life with her. And a sign of the times she already had a child, but he needed job. What was he going to do? So he tried a variety of things. He even went to work in construction, just like my dad did when he was young. And it didn't seem to suit him. I mean, he was a guitar player. He was out there running a jackhammer, trying. Nothing seemed to work for him. Nothing seemed to work for him. Just couldn't find his balance, you know? And then one day he said he was going to go up north. And so off he went up to uh, Elliott Lake, and then to a small town called called Blind River, Northern Ontario. I thought he was crazy for doing it. To this day, it's just not my thing, right? I just wouldn't go and work up in in a place like that. It's just not for me. Um, But he got a job in a mine. a lime mine paid pretty well, not really, really well, but it paid, you know, better than working in a variety store. So up there he was working and, uh, he was up there for, oh, maybe a year and a half, maybe two years, went up to visit him a couple of times, Didn't seem to me like he was doing that well because just didn't seem to be be making that much money. And he was living in kind of a rundown place. And he bought this old 1975 Plymouth Fury two-door. Those cars back then rusted out faster than you could pay them off new. He bought a used and the transmission was already pretty much shot. I drove it. I remember going up to visit him. I was like 17, 16, 17. Drove that piece of crap. Rusted out. Crappy transmission, slipping, slipping, slipping. And he was so proud of that car because he bought it himself. Does that sound like privilege? Didn't seem like privilege to me. looked like struggle to me. Time went on, not too much more time. I was off to college, also doing some night courses at university and working the night shift at a gas station at the same time to help raise enough money so I could go to school. I was exhausted, but it was summer And I was still doing the night shift at the gas stations. I kind of liked that job. But I was at home sleeping. I'd only been home for a little while, sleeping during the day because I was working at night. Never got my sleep pattern back after working there, even today. Messed me up. And the phone rang. I was 19. Nobody else at the house still living with my parents. I got the call. My brother had been killed. working at the mine giant equipment you know it was like a big front-end loader they were he was working on the engine with some guy he was running couldn't hear anything he was standing right beside the the wheel it was like as big as a house right just the wheel and another machine i guess some guy this guy driving another machine backing up no flag man didn't see him between the two wheels
1: i got the call
2: i had to go tell my mom And my dad was out of town. I had to phone my dad. We had to phone him. I had to find him. He was on a trip selling chewing gum. And they had him way, way, way far away. Many, many, many hours. He couldn't get home that day. Does that sound like privilege? Didn't feel like it, not to me. Didn't seem like my brother was privileged. And I thought, you know, I think back on that and, and I, I I, know so many people have lost their lives in industrial accidents. And I call for limited government, right? Um, and I still do. But you know, the, the regulations were different then The rules. Talked about my dad sliding down the girders. He could have been killed. My brother could have been killed working construction, doing the stuff that he did back in the 70s. My brother was killed. Tough they were. Privileged they were not. If anyone was privileged, it was me. I came along last. But my dad was a little more established. he worked hard for what he had. My mom also had a job. Things were better. We had a little bit more. And I was the only one in the family who ever got to go to college and university. Yeah, I had to work too, but I got to go. They didn't. Not really, not right away. My other brother, finally, when he was older, did go to art college for a year or so. That wasn't privilege either, man. He worked. And I'm not alone, my family's not alone privilege 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 tired of hearing about it so tired of hearing about it occupier I'm yeah I'm occupying my house and I'm gonna stay in my house and I'm not apologizing for it you shouldn't either. Because I know what the real history is. I know what the reality is. So you can take your politics and your ideology and get real. We all need to start getting real. Privilege. I understand why people use that language. I understand why some people are upset. I understand how a lot of people have been mistreated over time. But it is time to get real. Quit pointing the finger. Quit trying to take other people's stuff. No, that's not the answer. See, see, all my brother was looking for ever really was an opportunity. It's all I ever wanted. It's all I ever want now, opportunity. Everybody should have opportunity, everybody. There's no reason we can't all have opportunity as long as we let go of some of our assumptions, our hatred, our prejudice our expectations, our blame, our history. I've said so many times, you know, you gotta, (laughs) you have to remember your history. You have to learn from your history. You don't wanna revisit it and repeat it. That's not what we're doing. people want to relitigate the war the wars of the past my brother died just trying to live that's the case with a lot of people but at least he lived and he loved it up there in northern ontario and that way he was very much like my dad like the outdoors and so on and he lived he lived his life and he did kind of what he wanted to do i think not entirely he wanted to be a musician and when he was up there man he was a rock star playing at the and the local bars and people really loved what he did. He, uh, He did have that still with him. And when he did die, his boss bought a plaque on the back of a seat in Roy Thompson Hall in memory of my brother. A donation. So he lives that way. And we fast forward into this new digital era, right? And um I have kicking around here someplace still, an old eight-millimeter film of my two brothers at the the fall fair in my hometown, London, they called it the Western Fair. I was a baby. I don't remember being there, but there's this eight millimeter film my dad had shot. He had borrowed some guy's eight millimeter film camera, took it to the fair, and and here's this film of my two brothers with me doing stuff at the fair on a couple of rides and going on a slide and they've got me there. I am with them. I digitized that and, uh, I put it up on YouTube And I showed it to my mom and to my dad and to my other brother,
4: my family.
2: And there it was, it was like archived family memory from way back in the 1960s. Where am I going with this? Well, Google is evil. There's this digitized, digital living memory of my brother, my brothers and myself, but my brother that I had tried to preserve by putting it up on YouTube on on my YouTube channel. Google doesn't like me too much because they don't understand me. They don't understand the politics. You've got a bunch of young people, honestly, who are very confused deciding what's right, what's wrong, what's to be censored and what isn't. So a while back, that YouTube channel, was taken down. Google killed my brother for a second time. At least they tried to. (laughs) Can you believe it, man? That's what censorship did. Those bastards deleted the channel with that digitized living memory of my brother. How many other families have lost memories? How many other people have been hurt by this evil... entity this giant distasteful corporation google youtube i see even today they're attacking rumble they've cut off the synchronization between the youtube channels and rumbles you can't sync anymore between the two good job google Control that marketplace. Take people's channels right down. Don't, no regard for what's on there. I'll find that eight millimeter film as brittle and as fragile as it is from the 1960s, and I will redigitize that thing, or I will find the original digital file someplace, but I will bring it back. You don't get away with it that easy. When my brother died, everything changed. I just didn't realize how much. It was like at that time, everything was changing. It wasn't just that he had passed away. It's that the world was literally changing in ways that were not entirely positive. Pretty negative stuff started coming down After that, not just for me, but for the whole darn world. The Challenger space shuttle blew up. We'd already come through Watergate and the Iran hostage crisis. Reagan seemed to be optimism there, but you got the Iran-Contra affair. You got uh, Clinton. Yeah. incompetent prime ministers. Free trade. Sold to the people as though it was going to be liberating in some way for the economy and in reality it was really about outsourcing all of our jobs to other countries where labor was a lot less expensive so that workers down there could be subjected to the hazards the kinds of hazards that lead to people sometimes being killed so we can have cheap stuff And I'm all about free markets, right? But here I am talking about the need for safety protocols, some rules. What I'm really talking about is a level, even playing field for all people. not just outsourcing stuff to another country where people can work for a lot less in conditions that are a lot less safe so that we get to feel good about things here. I'm out walking around today and I'm thinking to myself, what a bizarre existence I have. Maybe it's always been thus. I suppose it has been throughout my life. I'm walking around my neighborhood. Everything is peaceful. Everybody seems to be fine. It's just a a nice walk with my dog out in the snow, around the streets. I'm not in any danger that I can see. uh, And I'm thinking about coming back here, talking about Pakistan launching missiles into Iran in response to Iran launching missiles against Pakistan about the Israelis and Gaza and thousands of people being killed and then I go out and it's like everything's fine I'm running into my neighbors and everybody's cheerful and smiling and it's like no issues here it as we go to work and they print the money and it just finances everything. and it's It's like two separate worlds and it's bizarre. It is like living in a movie. Wow. How can you have such different worlds in the same world? Well, our deputy prime minister and finance minister flies off to Davos, again, on a government plane, wearing a Ukrainian ribbon, supporting that war, so she can sit on the stage and talk about greening the economy while the electric cars won't start. <laughs> and the journalists ask the UFC fighter if how much he hates the LGBTQ community because that's the biggest issue that confronts us these days. Really? Because last I checked, the prices at the grocery store were off the charts. People can't afford to buy a house. My son probably never will be able to afford to buy a house. Even though he's working his tail off, too. I look at him, and you know what I don't see? I don't see privilege. I see a young man doing his best and doing pretty good because he's so determined. And I'm damn proud of him. Same with my daughter living up in Toronto where things are so expensive. It blows my mind. I don't know how she survives. And yet she has carved out some sort of an existence up there with her new husband from nothing. Cause it sure wasn't my doing. Not like I was handing her money, but they've made their way in this world. They continue to make their way in spite of Justin Trudeau, in spite of this, progressive neoliberal woke government that we have that has embraced this communofascistic fascistic ideology and fascistic economy all based on fake money printing to just inflate things to create the illusion of free stuff We're all going to pay for it. That guy's got to go. Because we need opportunity. For everybody. Not equity. The opportunity to make your own way in life. A place you can call home where you can hang your hat. Where you can build a life for yourself and for your Family for your kids a future where their future can be better than the future that Your parents created for you for me a better country a better place to live It all comes down to opportunity To earn to build, to grow. That is what it's all about. And Leo, to that, you know, I think he's right. I think we're we've turned turned the corner. It's like I can feel it. The pendulum is swinging, starting to swing back the other way. See, people have had it. They've had enough. They've had a belly full of it. It's not gonna be easy. The other side's not gonna give up. Not that easy. Because they're are as nuts as some of the people way over there. Nuts, it's like people are nuts here, nuts there. We need to get back to reality. Start building, growing. It's just that simple, man. Maybe I'm naive. Hope not. Because I'll tell you, I miss the before times. Said it before. Saying it again, I don't care what Justin Trudeau says when he and his neoliberal woke crowd say that the past that I knew never really existed. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And it was beautiful. And it was there for everybody. If only they would embrace it. Instead, we have identity politics, division, and a desire for free stuff because of lies being told by a government making empty promises that will only ultimately lead to disaster. I miss my country. I miss my brother. (sighs) Love you guys. See you tomorrow night.
1: This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.